Love is an ocean, you can drown me. The sweet embrace, the lovely taste, I taste the sea. I'm under grace, the place to be. It means I'll never need an umbrella. I'm cool in the cold, in the hot weather. Whether or never I ever understand, I'm a man in the hands of great plans. I stand with faith and a life I never know the touches. Then I stop a clutch, but I'm like, what's the dream of? What's the hope in? What's the doubt for? Live to no end. This is living. The life I've been given is a gift. If I'm a living, I'm a living to death. So what's the dream of? What's the hope in? What's the doubt for? Live to no end. This is living. The life I've been given is a gift. If I'm a living, I'm a Good morning and welcome to Metro Praise International Church. It's so good to see everybody here in the house of the Lord. We can all please stand as we get ready to worship and get into the presence of the Lord this morning. My name is Pastor Berta, one of the pastors here on staff. Who's excited? Who's excited this morning? Amen. We like to start out our service every, every morning service with a testimony. We appreciate you so much for being here this morning with us. And this morning is going to be our sister Julie Riesco. Let's give her a hand as she comes up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Julie. Um, my son came to know Christ when he was 14 years old, 16 years ago. My husband and I, we convinced him that he was being brainwashed. And we convinced him to stop going um, to that Christian church. In 2008, and he did, by the way. He's a good son. He listened to us. He stopped. And um, in 2008, through my sister, her husband, and through his best friend, my son heard of the Lord again. He gave his life to the Lord, was born again, and became a member of this church. Again, my husband and I, 
We took it upon ourselves to save him. He didn't listen to us. What he did was he shared with us the good news and patiently and in prayer, he waited for us to know the Lord. That is what I'm at today. I've been saved since 2013. Amen. God is a gentleman, and many insist, it's my life. Let me live in my way. And you know what? He will. But later, don't blame him for your corrupt life and your decisions. Brothers and sisters, he cannot enter a heart that is not given an opportunity to enter and live in. Open your heart and let him in. In closing, I'd like to leave you a Jeremiah 33, 3 that reads, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you give us. I thank you for everyone that has made their way here to come and listen to your word. I hope that, they, that when you're knocking on their door, may it be not today, may it be 16 days later, you are never late. May it be on your own time, and it's always on your own time and on your own accord. But I pray, I pray that if today is your day, may you knock on their doors, and may you let them in, and may they uh, be of service to you. And all this we ask for you, for your glory, and to praise you, dear Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wake with
and know that you are God. Lord, we just pray today, Lord, that you would just wake us up and shake us up and that forever we would know that you are God. Your love it burns. Your love 
it burns inside Our hearts are satisfied by you Your love is our reward Your love is our reward That's why we ask for more of you Oh, and we cry Praise to you, Lord. Oh, 
the Holy Spirit's fire is burning in your hearts. We cry, oh, it's your power come, burn away the dross. Oh, church, come on, now's the time.
Come on, that word went forth this morning that God wants to use you. You are his hands and feet. You are the church. If there's anybody in here that has been second-guessing whether or not God wants to use them, whether or not they're qualified because of the sin of the past or what they're doing, or maybe they're not feeling good, or maybe they're not mo most outspoken, God wants to use you. He's called you. No more second-guessing right now. The Holy Spirit's going forth, giving you power. Come on, if that's you, just raise your hands right now. I want to be used by God. God, I want to be used by you. Miracles, signs, and wonders, God. I want to be used by you, God. Just like the disciples in, your, in the Bible, God. Just like them. Come on. Boldness in Jesus' name. Boldness in Jesus' name. Close to you, closer, closer. Oh, oh, oh. oh, Jesus. God, use your church in such a time like this. Use your church. Divine appointments in Jesus' name. Come on, we pray for right now that when you go back to work this week, when you go back into the normal day and the normal routine, that God would use you mightily. Come on, that you would have testimonies to share and how your co-worker or friends or family gave their heart to Jesus. We pray for salvation in Jesus' name. Come on. Use your church. Come on, you know who you are. my heart 
love is ravished my heart. Your love has ravished my heart and taken me over. Oh, come take control And all I want is to be with you forever, with you forever. So pull me a little closer and take me a little deeper. I want to says to us, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. 
For everything that I learned from my Father, I made known to you. What are we singing when we say, you know, I want to know your heart. Bring me deeper. That is a place of intimacy. That is a place of friendship. We are not Jesus' interns. We're not his slaves. We're not his employees. We're not just people he puts up with and tolerates. We're his friends. And he wants us to know his business. Lord, we love you. God, if anyone here has a misapprehension about how you relate to us, Lord, I pray, and you might want to do this as as a faith exercise. I, I remember one of the Psalms says that God leads you by your righteous by his by the right hand. If you want to put your hand out. I'm not promising you the goosebumps here. This is just an exercise of faith to know that every day God is with you. God has you by the hand. He's with you wherever you go. He never leaves nor forsakes. He's the best friend you'll ever have. He'll never let you down. Lord, we want to know your heart. We want to love others as you have loved us. That's the, that's the one thing you told us when you let us know your business, to love others as you've loved us. Oh, take a few moments just to soak in his love. Lord, what is on your heart today? What do you have to say to us? This, this will not be a time for public prophecy, but I want the Lord to minister to you individually. You're not so far away. On the, on the worst day and the worst thing that's happened to us or the worst thing we've done, there you are. You don't love sin. You don't love what happens to us, but there you are. Ready to embrace Thank you, Lord. We can sing that chorus. Pull me a little closer. Pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. Want to know your heart. Want to know your heart. Because love is so much sweet. No one will love you like he does. Sweeter than anything. 
and the voices oh how deep your love is for me and your friendship is intimate. You are a great king. You are the king of all kings. And you are to be feared in the nations. <coughs> but you are our friend. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that we can be your friends today. May we love to spend time with you, our best and greatest friend. Thank you, Lord. If you're a friend of God, can you say amen and give God a big praise? Amen. Welcome, welcome. Uh, you could all take a seat right now. My name is Jared Walker. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Metro Praise International. And as is our custom, we take time in every service to preach the gospel. That word gospel means good news. Everyone say good news. And this is the best news you will ever hear in your whole life. And I want you to embrace it. Look what the Bible says. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. I'm going to get a little theological for a second, but you need to hear this. What does it mean to be in Christ? All right, I, feel, I, I teach Bible college, so I, I'm used to the back and forth. Um, to, to be in Christ. Let me put it to you this way. Christianity, at its core, is not being a member of a church or signing on to a statement of faith or calling so-and-so your pastor or going through rituals, a confirmation from my Catholic friends. Christianity is being united with Christ. It's being in Christ. Specifically, being united in His death and resurrection. I'll put it to you this way. 
When Christ died, I died. My old self was crucified with Christ. That old rebel, arrogant, drunk, pervert that I was, was crucified with Christ. And my sins were judged. That's what we mean when we say he died for your sins. He took the penalty as your substitute. Now, friend, if you don't have a substitute, you can't pay that bill by yourself. When you stand accountable before the Lord and we're all, we're all destined for that day, you don't want to pay for your sins yourself. You don't want to experience the judgment for your sins. That's why you must be in Christ. But further, the Bible says that when he was raised, we raised with him. And death no longer has mastery over him. And the life he lives, he lives to God forever. And the same is true over us. We experience physical death, but not death in the true sense. The life we have now, we live forever with God. Death is just taking a nap and then waking up resurrected in Jesus' presence. And then it says we are seated with him in heavenly places. He ascended to the Father. We ascend with him. So I want to tell you something, friend. Christianity is not just church membership. It's being united with Christ. Salvation is not just, well, you're going to go to heaven one day after you die. No, the kingdom of heaven invades your life now. You become a new person now. You experience new birth now. God fills your heart with love. God gives you a new heart. God makes you a new person. That's what we're preaching today. If we could all stand. That's what happens inside. You become a new creation. How many new creations can testify to that? But outwardly you repent. You turn from your evil ways. Turn from your former gods and your former religion. And you put all of your trust in Jesus Christ. That's what we got to do. We're going to have some prayer workers up here right now. Pastor Griselda and Salvador. In a moment, they'll be able to pray with you. But for right now, let's, let's pray. If, if you're serious about the Lord, if you mean business, pray with me. Say, dear God, I believe in your son, that he died, and that when he died, I died with him. And that when he raised, I was raised with him. Now, Lord, I want that new life. I don't want to be the old person I was, the old sinner. I want to be new. I want to be a saint. Make me new. Change me forever. Start today in me a life that will never end in your love and presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for the Lord. Now, with that being said, we're going to say together as a family our confession of faith. As believers in Jesus Christ, we'll say it together at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and Creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. 
I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. All right, greet somebody you haven't met yet.
Welcome, welcome, welcome to Metro Praise International. I want to introduce myself. My name is Pastor Jerry. I am one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise, and we just want to thank you guys for making this your, your, your home church today. Um, if you guys would just find your way to your seats. Um, I just have some announcements for you guys today. Um, it is Sunday morning. We have two Sunday services every single Sunday, one at 10 a.m., which is where you are, and then we also have one at 1 p.m. for the late risers, or you just can't get yourself here at 10. You are always welcome to join us at 1 p.m. We also have Elevate. Do, let's do that again. Y'all weren't ready. Okay, ready? Elevate. All right, Elevate is our youth group, 11 to 18 years old, every single Friday here at the church at 7 p.m. We have awesome pastors, uh, Steve and Carmen Ramos, who are just leading that up. Man, these kids are on fire for Jesus. We just love to see them going to their high schools. We're starting Christian clubs at these high schools, and it, God is doing it. Amen. All right, we just want to let you know about what is coming up. Sunday, October 30th, the day before Halloween, we are doing God's presence and his presence. Amen? Amen. Get excited for that. Invite your neighbors. Invite your family. We are going to go deep into the heart of worship, deep into the heart of God. We're going to have Brother Brandon Holt here leading us into that time of worship and just rocking out the rest, the last of the soul-winning summer. It is going to be amazing. So I want you guys to get excited about that and excited about what we're doing here. Here at Metro Praise, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision, loving God and loving people. We do it really well here. If you guys don't feel loved, you guys got to get to our next phase, which is to connect. We connect you to life group, and then we send you out to change the world for Jesus. Amen? So let's get talk about getting connected. All right? Every single week, we have so much going on here. There is always a place for you to feel at home and to get connected to God's people. Sunday morning just is never enough. So this week we have today here at the church marriage life group on all the marriage couples say, woo! <laughs> We're going to be laughing today. So I'm really excited about that. Um, Tuesday we have the resistance. That is our Elevate Life group, 11 to 18 years old, meets 6 p.m. here at the church. Wednesday, every single Wednesday, we have King's Kids, infant to 11 years old. All the mamas say, hey. <laughs> we love your children. We want you to drop them off here, get trained up into Royal Rangers Boys Club and Impact Girls Club. They are learning to grow up strong in the Lord. Amen. And they meet here at the church at 6.30. Thursdays, gang outreach. Who knows the city needs Jesus. The gangs need Jesus. They meet here at the church at 7 p.m. every Thursday. And then Friday night, we have two adult Bible studies. We have pastors Griselda and Govea at their house. That's what's up. And then we also have it at Mine and my husband Tony's house, you can come at, to that address. And if you have any questions, talk to us after service. Then we want to get you mentored. Everybody say mentor. Yes, we want to mentor you. If you are new to the church, you, you want to know what it's like to live and walk with Jesus. That's why we do 101. 
one-on-one mentorship. This teaches you how to walk with Jesus and what it's like to have a real relationship. Any of our deacons and elders can walk with you through that. Connect with them. You can talk to myself or, or Pastor Griselda after service. We will help you find a mentor if you are struggling to find one. We just want to love on you. And then we have 201. Do we have 201ers in here? That's what's up. All right, so 201, we are teaching you how to be disciples that make disciples what we believe that every Christian should be a leader, leader in their life, leader in their home, leader in the church, amen? And so then we want to send you out. Everybody say, send. All right, send. We're going to send you out to do evangelism. We meet here every single Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. Don't miss it. It will grow your faith. It will test you. It will stretch you in ways that you don't even know. So get out of your comfort zone, get out of your bubble, and go share the love of Jesus with other people. Amen? So that brings us all the way back around to connecting you to Jesus, mentoring you with our 101, our 201, and sending you out to do evangelism and change the world for Jesus. Amen and amen. All right. So then I want to talk to you guys today about ties. Is 10% of your total income. We have two places to give, which is, which is our missions offering and our building offering. You can designate that on your envelope. And then I want to go to our disciples giving book. This is awesome. We are in lesson 14. Stewards live, leave, sorry, stewards leave an inheritance. Amen? So let's go to our definition. Stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. What has God entrusted you with? Everything. Amen. So let us go to our scripture. Proverbs 13, 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. How many of you know when Donald Trump leaves this earth with all of his millions, if he's got that much left, that he cannot take it with him? There is no There is no U-Haul following a hearse. And even those Egyptians who buried all their wealth, that's where it stayed until the, what do you call them, the the pillagers came and took all that stuff out of them, you know, robbed um, tomb raiders. So we want to talk about being a good person. This is where we store. Uh, The Bible, especially the book of Proverbs, commands people to do good by forsaking evil. Therefore, it is a good thing for Christians to leave an inheritance for their children and their grandchildren. We want to leave something for our children. We leave an inheritance. An inheritance is basically the act of passing on material goods, wealth, and property to someone else after you die, like a living will. The Bible states that our inheritance should primarily be given to our children and grandchildren. That's why we have heirs, right? And how many of us know that we are heirs? We are heirs to God's kingdom. And so we want to store up good treasure in heaven, but we want to be prosperous here on earth to leave an inheritance for our children. And three, a sinner's wealth. Those sinners, non-Christians, may give an inheritance to their family now. Ultimately, everything they they have will remain on earth after they die. As a result, when Jesus comes back to reign upon the earth for a thousand years, All their wealth will belong to the righteous. And all the righteous said, amen. In summary, work hard and plan ahead so you can give your family an inheritance. And how do we apply this to our lives? Be faithful 
In giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and offerings is anything you give after that tithe. Two, start planning your inheritance by living now below your expenses so that you can save and invest the excess. And three, make a will, purchase life insurance, and set goals for your savings. We are to be good stewards. So let us confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Amen. So we want to reiterate again, tithes, 10% of your total income. We have two ways to give, missions offering and building offering. So you can designate that on the envelope or if you do it through PayPal, and we'll get to those. There are four ways to give here at the church. We have these buckets up front during our offering time. You can drop them there. The wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. And then in the back, you can give us, uh, we can take your debit or credit card with Griselda or myself after service. And online with Chase QuickPay, PayPal, and BillPay. Okay? So there's many ways to give. And if you guys just want to stand up with me, we're going to recite this, this verse, and then we're going to pray for our tithes and offerings. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Father God, we just come before you, Lord, and we just pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us financial wisdom, Lord, and how to save and how to get rid of our debts so that we can be good stewards, that we may leave an inheritance for our children and the ch our children's children to come, Lord God. We just want to be faithful, and we know that if we are faithful, that you will make us fruitful, God. And you are worthy. You are worthy of all of our money. You are worthy of all of our time and all of our praise, Lord. And we just want to rejoice and give back to you what you have so freely given to us. And we pray this all in your precious and wonderful name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Rejoice as you give.
All right, how many are ready to hear about children of God today? How many children of God do I have in the house? Make some noise. Amen. You all love Jesus? Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm so glad to see you guys here. I have some special friends from Dayton, Ohio, Judah and his wife, Edina. Uh, good to have you guys here. Let's give it up for our friends from Dayton. They love Jesus. Talk to them. They're radical. I'm sorry my wife couldn't be here. She's uh, being home with my oldest daughter. She had a fever, a little 24-hour flu. Uh, but uh, we are just so glad that you came to church today. As you can see, I'm still holding on to the summer a little bit. I got one more day of shorts with you guys and chanclas. Uh, though today it's a little cloudy, it's actually warmer, right? So it's actually a little bit deceiving outside. So get out and enjoy it if you can. Yesterday around this time, uh, we did a great wedding with Josh and Cecily, some of our friends from the second service. And then it got uh, sunny, and I actually went out for a bike ride, and then it got dark really fast because I went out around uh, like 5.30ish, 6 o'clock, and I'm thinking, I got at least another hour and a half. No, I didn't. Uh, it got dark on that trail around 6.30, and I want to tell you, I was riding on this trail. It's out there, you know, with all the woods and everything, and I see like this dark image to my side as I'm riding really fast, and all of a sudden it pounces up. Literally, I think it's a bear, but it was a deer, but the deer literally was about like this high, like the saddle of that deer. It was like a pony. It was like a horse. And then literally I felt like I was in a movie because then he was running next to me. And I'm like, whoa, this thing's running next to me. And then it cut in front of me and scared me and made me think I was going to hurt myself because we had a wedding yesterday and, and the groom's parents could not make it to the wedding because they hit a deer. And so you've got to be careful with deers, I guess, on bikes and cars. Has anybody ever hit a deer before with a car? I've actually been in a car accident with the deer before as well and they're not soft little fluffy animals when you hit them going about 50 in a car I was out with my friends and we were cruising in Fort Wayne and just a little fun fact a deer can total your car totaled his car but that deer was still alive but it was it was a hurting deer it was a hurting deer and I'll just never forget that little deer was laying in the ditch because he tried to limp away after he totaled our car and then like he just lifted up his head a little bit and then the police officer shot it and then it lifted up its head one last time shot it again this is not i guess a funny part of the story but just telling you what i saw the deer do and then he just laid down his head but that's okay that's okay i don't know where i'm going with that you're happy that that and some of you are just simply asking well did anybody eat the deer somebody's just like well did you guys eat the deer i would have eaten the deer how many have eaten deer before deer's pretty good it's a little gamey as they say it's not my preferred meat but uh, let's go to John chapter 1. How many ready for the preaching of the word? Amen. Go to John chapter 1. Let me review with you as you are there. Uh, we are now in a new sermon series on the book of John. We're going to go through it now until the end of the year. So if you're new with us uh, today, uh, thank you for joining with us. Last week we just started a new series, so you're right here with us to join us with this. Uh, new time that we're going to be learning, a uh, new series we're going to be learning about the gospel of John. And last week was our first message, and it was on uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And that message... Uh, message was called in the beginning did anybody learn anything from that about the word of God anybody learn anything anybody did anybody come last week okay 
Let's see if we can just say John 1, 1 together from memory. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Y'all good. Now today we're going to be talking about children of God. What a beautiful picture here as we think about our children. I know as a parent, I love my children. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. Uh, seeing them sick breaks my heart. You know, I would, I would take, if, if there was a way to trade it, I would take ten times worse of her sickness just so she wouldn't have to be sick. How many parents feel that way? It's, it's the worst feeling. Those of you have had children have to deal with serious illness or complications in their birth. I remember my best friend in Bible college was so excited. He was having twins and uh, Isaac and Victoria, they already knew their genders, boy and a girl, but Isaac came out missing about half of his intestines. And I just remember watching just, you know, the horror on his face and him beginning to understand, I'm going to have to go through a lot here uh, in his whole life. This young man now is about 12 years old, Isaac, but God has blessed him with a good life and he's known the Lord and he's overcome a lot of those things. But if you would talk to my, my friend, you know, he, he would give up anything. He would give up anything so that Isaac could just have his intestines and not have to be hooked up to machines all the time. And so often when we think about our children, we forget that God wants us to be in a relationship with him like that. And so often we're deceived by the devil to think that the way the world is is the way God intended the world to be. And that's why uh, there shouldn't be uh, a church or we shouldn't really worship God because if God was good, why would he allow suffering? And if, and if there's a God out there and he allows suffering, then I don't want to go to church and worship him. And really what it's like, it's like that old um, kind of a setup when you were at the playground or out there, you know, when you were a kid getting some water from the drinking fountain, that bully would slap you upside the head and then run behind the line and point to your buddy behind you, you know, and say, it was him, it was him. And so often in the world, we, we deal with suffering, we deal with pain, we deal with letdown, and it's all because of sin and the devil, but then he lies to us and points to God and says, no, but it's his fault. It's his fault. It's, it's his fault why there's death and suffering. And that's not true. God created Adam and Eve in his image for a relationship with him. We were created to be born into relationship with God. But because of Adam's sin, because of them choosing the wrong path, and that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil was their way to be their own God. And what they did then was bring spiritual death. So by default now, we're not born children of God. We're not. And you might have heard that before from somebody like, oh, we're just all God's children. That's not correct. We're all God's creation. That is correct. And God wants all of us to be his children. But we're not because of Adam and Eve. We're now born in the default position of children of the devil. And you may think to yourself, that is harsh. That is harsh to say that, Joe, that people who are not born again are children of the devil. My friends, it is truth whether you like it or not. And today I want to show it to you from the very words of Jesus. From this book, John, the book of John, that gives us the most expressive uh, demonstration of Jesus' love, you will hear what is going to be what I think the hardest things of Jesus' judgment. And so you got to take both when you get Jesus. You can't say, Jesus, I just want you to be nice and friendly and not judge sin and not tell us what the wrath of God is like. No, Jesus came full of grace. 
grace and full of truth. Not 50-50, but 100% of each. She is 100% of grace. You can never overemphasize the grace of God. Come on. You can never overemphasize how awesome he is that he would love sinners like us and die on the cross for us. You can never overemphasize that. And then at the same time, you can never overemphasize the truth of God, the truth of men turning their backs on Jesus and becoming sinners deserving of death. And so you have to know both to appreciate both. Can I get an amen? And so we're going to look at the children of God today, uh, the, the message, the children of God. Let's start in John chapter 1. Let us read this whole prologue. I'll read it. You follow along. But I want to go through verses 1 through 18 so you can see the awesomeness of this book, okay? Your homework assignment to come into this uh, church today, and we should have checked you on the way in here well, to see if you had your homework, was did you, uh, that you had to read John chapter 1. Now, I just want to know, did anybody read John chapter 1 this week? Raise up your hands five of you I wish I had a $20 bill for each one of you because the rest of you would get nothing I literally listen to me when I teach my children about right and wrong and they and they do wrong and they don't get a treat even if I wasn't planning on giving treats that day I make sure I give treats just so that one can know they ain't getting none Oh, let me go find a treat over here okay here's a paper clip you get one you get one you don't get this. You don't, you, you were bad today. You all think I'm a bad parent, but I'm a good parent. You don't get the paper clip. Look, I'm just giving it to your sister right in front of you. And I wish I had 20 bucks on me right now because I would just be like, you get it. All these people don't get it. You get it. You know what I'm saying? Now, look, I'm going to try this again. Next week, read John chapter 2, okay? Because we're going to talk about Jesus at the wedding, the life of the party, okay? We're going to talk about Jesus, the life of the party. Because in the John series we're going through, I decided by God's grace to summarize the book of John through two lessons on the introduction and then seven lessons on the seven signs of John. John writes his book so that we might believe. Look at the end of John chapter 20 if you want to see that. And so from the beginning to the end, John gives us seven main signs about the deity and the person of Jesus Christ. Now let's look at this uh, prologue right here. It is amazing. It's, it's full of theology and full of depth. And let me just say it's right because I'm about ready to break into song. I'm so excited. This part that you're about ready to read right here, John 1 verses 1 through 18, to me is the most beautiful thing for me to meditate on. I love Psalm 23, don't get me wrong. I love all of those passages. But this right here to me captures my heart and my mind. It does both at the same time. And there's this song that goes, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art, and this is my part right here, thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. Thou my best thought, thou my best thought, by day or by night. 
You find yourself in trouble. You find yourself in a place of despair. Focus on Jesus. Focus on who he is. See that he has the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. Are you all ready for this? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this is John the Baptist, not the author of the gospel. John the disciple wrote the uh, gospel of John. This is talking about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? children of God. What does he give them the right to become? Children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Everybody say born of God. Thank you. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. What was he full of? grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one who I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he became, he came before me. Everybody say he was before me. Amen. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Read verse 18 with me. One, two, three. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. That's our God. Oh, hallelujah. Thou my best thought by day or by night. In the beginning was the Word. He's with God and He is God. He sent John the Baptist to be His forerunner to prepare the way for Him to come. And when He came, He came in the flesh like one of us, tabernacled, built His house alongside of us and lived with us and ate and drank with us. And yet He was sinless and perfect and righteous in all that He did. And He gave grace in place of grace and grace upon grace. And He loved us despite our failures. And then he gave himself for us on the cross to demonstrate the great love of the Father. That's John chapter 1. By the time you get to John chapter 3 and you read that famous scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, you understand how amazing this is. The Son of God is not just a martyr. He's God in the flesh. He's your creator dying for the creation that sinned against him. And yet in the midst of this passage right here, we see what is probably mind-blowing to any other religion. Really and honestly, this is mind-blowing to religious mindsets that think you have to do to be. Do more, do more, do more so you can be more, to be more. And what they teach is a whole lot of doo-doo. And what does doo-doo smell like? It smells bad. Do you want doo-doo? 
No, so we don't teach in this church to do more, to be more, to do more, to be more. Like as if we're going to put you on the, the good works diet and have you join the good works gym. And you're going to get on the good works treadmill. And the harder you run, the faster you run, the more you diet, the more you're dedicated, the better off you'll be. That is not what Christianity Christianity teaches. As a matter of fact, the Bible says all of those things you would try to do in religious ways would be nothing but filthy rags in the mind of God. And filthy rags to them is what we would use to wipe our hiney with and put down the toilet. I'm being honest. That's why I say when all you have is religion and a bunch of do, 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 all you're left with is do, do. And it stinks and it's not what you want. But Jesus did what I couldn't do so that I could have what I could never earn. Jesus' grace gave to me eternal life. And it says it right here. Listen to it again if you missed it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He's setting up the world stage so that he can enter into it at the proper time. All of this was building up to him. In other words, all of the 4,000 years of human history before Jesus was just the introduction. Abraham, just the introduction. All the people of Moses and the Israelites, just the introduction. Daniel and the prophets, just the introduction. Here now comes Jesus. Then when he comes in verse 10, he's in the world, but the world that he made did not recognize him. They thought that the Messiah was going to come, especially the Jewish people, was going to come and conquer Caesar, conquer Rome, conquer all of these wicked nations and make their nation the boss nation of all the other nations. And yet Jesus didn't come to conquer land. He came to conquer hearts. Jesus came first to conquer hearts. Yes, he's going to come again and conquer the land. There will be literally a place where Jesus rules from in Jerusalem. That's why we have to pray for Jerusalem. We can look at Jerusalem as kind of like the hourglass of heaven. As it goes with uh, Jerusalem is as the time clock of heaven is going. And yet, when Jesus came the first time, he came to die for sins so that all of us could be born again, so that we could have a relationship with him. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, talking about the Jewish people, but his own did not receive him. Who are the ones that sold him up or betrayed him to the Roman government to be crucified? What people were that? The Jewish people. The Jewish people, the very ones that were supposed to be waiting for his coming, anticipating it, then being a part of his kingdom, those very ones missed him. The revelations went right over their head, or really you could say it bounced off their stone-cold heart. And instead of accepting Jesus, they crucified Jesus. Now think about that just for a moment. I wonder today if Jesus came to his own in this church, would you receive him? Or would he come in a way that you wouldn't like? And I love to bounce both off uh, of you to, as, a, as a test, as a way to see your heart. Some with the grace side, some with the truth side. See, some here today, you're only emphasized on the truth. So if Jesus came here full of grace, embracing a homosexual, saying, I love them, I can forgive them and change them, you may not like that, Jesus, because you want to condemn them before Jesus can save them. So the grace of God may offend you. Now, there's others of you that may be offended by Jesus' truth, where Jesus would come and say, yes, homosexuality is a sin, and this needs to stop. Go and sin no more, as he told the prostitute. And so you see, I want all of Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. Don't give me a half of Jesus and a half of Oprah Winfrey or a half of Jesus or a half of Bill Mars or whoever else you listen to. Give me all of Jesus. Give me all of grace and give me all of truth. 
So he came to his own. His own did not receive him. But now look at this part as we get into our sermon today. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Now this blows my mind right here. As many as received him. Think about that word received. Received. This already assumes that something is being given. If I am forcing something upon you, you're not willingly receiving it. If I go out to the basketball court and start balling on you, you ain't wanting to receive your whooping, but you're going to take it. No, I'm kidding. I can't ball. I can't ball. Now, well, you know what I mean. There are things that you have to take in life whether you like it or not. You have to take stuff from your boss. Some of you got to take stuff from your wife or take stuff from your husband. And, and there are things that you take in life whether you want to or not because they're forced upon you. But here we see that what separated those from children of God and children of the devil, which we'll get into that talk in just a moment where he lays it out plainly, but those who became children of God, who had that right, who had that privilege, were the ones who received him as a gift. Because Jesus is not a divine kidnapper. Jesus is not going to pull up alongside of you and go, Psst, come here, come check out my van. I got some candy here in heaven for you. Come here. And you come close to the van, and all of a sudden he's got the angel Gabriel. He's like, go, come on. He grabs you in, slams the door, and then goes up to heaven. Jesus is not a kidnapper. He's not going to come bribe you to try to go to heaven. The Bible literally says in the book of Revelation, he knocks at the door of your heart. That's why many people are not saved today because they can't hear his knocking. They're so busy listening to the world. They're so busy doing what the world has them to do with their job and their family and their money and all these things that they don't understand there's somebody at the door. You've ever had a friend at the door before and they were knocking for a while, couldn't get your attention, they had to call you on the phone. They're like, man, I've been here all day long. Where are you at? That happens to me all the time because we'll be out in our backyard, we'll be out playing or something, and somebody's like, come on, open the door. I've been here forever. Bing, bing. You know, hit the doorbell. How many of you ever put your phone on silent before? Come on, somebody. Many of us have put our heart on silent. We don't want to hear Jesus anymore. We don't receive the call from Jesus anymore. We'll pick up the call from our best friend. We'll pick up the call from our job. We'll pick up our call uh, for the booty call. We'll pick up all types of calls. Come on. Some of, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. We pick up all these calls, and yet Jesus, we put, we put on snooze. Jesus, we don't want to hear. Jesus, we don't want to receive. And then this is where it's all at, though. See, as Jared, Pastor Jared said before, no one goes to hell who didn't want to go there. This is how we believe according to the Bible, that heaven and hell are the choice of the human soul, the autonomous being that God made us to possess, the, the autonomy of the will, the freedom that we have to choose, to receive or reject him. We can be like the Jewish people and reject him if we want to, or we can be like his disciples who received him, to those who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. This is mind-blowing because religion says the only way you get anything from God is if you do these things we tell you to do. You better not wear shorts and chanclas to church. 
but my pastor does. Well, your pastor is wrong, you know. You better not cut your hair. You better listen to, to oldies music. You better look like you've been sucking on a lemon the whole time. That's how you better walk in here. We better not see you smile, right? And, and we get this idea that religion is going to tell us what we have to do, and it becomes a burden upon us. It becomes a burden. Uh, Mother Teresa said at the end of her life, her soul was dark, and she didn't even know if, if God exists. Why is that? Because even doing all the greatest works of mankind, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have the right to be his children. The Bible says you could give your body to be burned. You could be that one that jumps on the hand grenade for your buddy in the war. You could do all of these things. But the only ones who get the right to become children of God are those who receive him, those who accept him, those who believe in him. Come on. Those who say, I'll open the door for you, Jesus. And I'm not just going to keep you here in the living room where everything looks nice. I'm going to let you go into my bedroom, to my closet, check under the bed. I'm going to let you come all up in my business, Jesus, because he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And we're good at hiding stuff when guests come over, aren't we? But Jesus is just the kind of guest that says, oh, let me see your bedroom set. What you got? And you're like, oh, I didn't make my bed today. I didn't put away the laundry. I'll show you my bedroom set another time, you know. But see, God wants all of us. And that's the right that he gives us. Think about that word right, privilege, you know, the privilege, the distinct honor that I get to have, that you get to have, that we become children of God. And at this moment, we now realize that if we have to do something like believing and receiving to become children of God, then that already takes for granted by default, we're not children of God. That means we're something else. Something else that's the opposite of God. And what would we call the opposite of God? The devil. And I want to get to that in a moment. But literally, there is no middle ground to here today. There is nobody still waiting in the orphanage to be somebody's child. You are already a child of God or a child of the devil. There is no intermediate state. You are one or the other right now. And what is beautiful about the gospel is that if you came here as a child of the devil, you can become a child of God. By this scripture. Those who receive him, children of the devil who receive him and repent of their sins, believe in his name, become children of God. That is what he is teaching here. Children born not of natural descent. And then what that simply means is not by human parents. The Jewish people at this time were so uh, consumed with their, their genealogy and their lineage and whose daddy is your daddy and where do you come from. They were broken up into tribes and they all were known by their last name and very similar to what we were talking about in the Indian culture and a caste system. They were very much prejudiced towards other people and they were beginning, the priestly class was looking down on the, the, the working class. And, and here God tells us that it's not because of your parents. And I believe all of us need to know this today, even as a pastor parent, that my children can't become children of God just because I am a children of God. They have to make that decision for themselves. Nor of a human decision. Now, some of our friends like to insert in here a false doctrine of irresistible grace, which basically means God puts a magnet in your heart and draws you irresistibly, and it's not a part of your decision whether you come or not. But the flip side of that coin is also irresistible damnation. It's a doctrine that's based in a false view of predestination. Predestination means God predetermined before the creation of the world who he would draw to heaven and who he would push to hell. 
I reject that false doctrine. It goes under the name of Calvinism. And to me, it makes God out to be a moral monster. Though people can believe it as Christians, it is in the Christian faith and realm of things. I'm ashamed to say it is there, but I do ultimately consider it a bad and harmful doctrine. God gives you choice. But they'll use this and say, well, you see, we're not born of our parents' decision nor of our own decision. But the Greek word there for human decision is actually human sexual desire. I provided the notes here so you don't take my word for it. It's found in the NET translation with Dr. Daniel Wallace in the original work of the Greek words there. Nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And that way it works together great. It says children, because you're thinking of children coming through parents or sexuality. And it says children not born of human parents, not of sexual desire, or because a husband said, honey, let's get it on tonight. But children born of who? Of God. And so that you see it in its entirety, you go back to that verse 12. It is because of their choice to receive him. If I'm being forced to receive you, it's not really a reception. It's taking something or being pushed, uh, something being pushed upon you. And you cannot force that to happen. Now, I want you to see this in summary, and then we'll get into the message. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just the introduction. We got plenty of time to get into the message. You all ready to learn something today? Okay. When we look at who rejected Jesus, we see that Jesus was rejected by his own people. Those were the Jewish people. Those who received Jesus were his disciples, those that believed in him. How many disciples do I have here today? Amen. And then we now need to distinguish who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Listen to me, uh, listen as I read this, and then we'll get into more depth. In John chapter 6, further on, in the Gospel of John, verses 25 through 70, we read how the Jews treated Jesus for the most part. These were the Jews, uh, while the faithful Jews, rather, were serving the Father and waiting for the true Messiah, they were drawn by the Father and were transferred to Jesus. Those Jews who rejected Moses, rejected the things that they were taught before, rejected Jesus because they lacked faith in God, and thus they were not provided the bread of life. So look at it like this. How do we know the Jews that came to Jesus while he was on the earth, the Jews that were obeying Moses, the Jews that were doing what they were supposed to. What Jews rejected Jesus and wanted him crucified? Those that weren't doing what Moses said. So we, don't ought, we ought not to feel sorry for them. It was their choice. And what we can see today is that the choice is for us. Will we receive Jesus for who he is and make our mind up, or will we reject him? How many want to accept him? Amen. Now we have to go to John chapter 8, verses 31 to 59, to see why Jesus called the Jewish people who rejected his message children of the devil. Everybody go, ooh. See, some of y'all want to go to Halloween parties and these haunted houses and see things that look like devils, but maybe all you have to do is look at your neighbor sitting next to you or look at your coworker or your neighbor right now because they may be children of the devil. I'm being honest with you. You're like, oh, don't you call me no children of the devil. Well, here's the thing. Have you been born of God? If you are not born of God, you are a child of the devil. Now, I know some of you think sweet Jesus would never say this to you. That somehow it's my mind. You know, maybe I've been influenced so much by my conservative politics and these different things that I've been made a hate monger, you know, and all of these right-wing philosophies gotten into that white boy pastor and he's, he's just going to be mean and call everybody children of the devil. It ain't got nothing to do with me. Before I was ever a pastor, the Bible was written. How many believe that? 
How many believe no matter what side of the politics we're on, this Bible was already written? And the Bible is very clear about children of God and children of the devil. He reiterates his point in John 6, 45, and he says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you do not belong to God. Well, let's get it on. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. We will be having a God in Politics talk on Sunday night, the first week of uh, first Sunday of November. Come on out. I'm sure we will offend everyone, including myself. I'm sure I'll be offended, but we're not afraid to talk about it in this church. God in Politics, last Sunday of the month. We're waiting to introduce it for um, the end of October here, but it's already on Facebook if you want to see it there. Look at John chapter 8, verse 31. If you're there, say I'm there. To the Jews who had believed in him. So here are the Jews that believed, right? So they're doing good. They're, they're actually believing. They're receiving him. Well, Jesus is not going to just let them off the hook quite yet. He wants to make sure that their belief is not based in convenience just to get out of jail free card, get out of hell free card. He wants to take it a little step further and say, y'all believe in me. Well, do you believe in the freedom from sin that I preach about? So Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciple. He didn't say, oh, if you have a pope and you go to church and confess to a dark uh, um, a priest in a dark closet your naughty things, then you're my disciple. No, he said, if you hold to my dis- teaching, then you're a real disciple. He didn't say, oh, if you come to Metro Ch- Praise Church on Sunday every now and then, amen, sing songs, clap, let a little tear come down your eye, like, oh, Dito, Jesus, you're so awesome. You don't know. No, it's like, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Praise God. How many are set free in this place? But now we see the sassiness come out, and the defensiveness come out, and so many here can feel that same defensiveness. And so see if you've ever felt this way when Jesus says, you believe in me? Hold to my teachings. Do what I say, and you'll get set free. Look at how the Jewish people respond. We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves of anyone. What you talking about? Get free. How can you say we shall be free, be set free? They instantly said, hey, we've never been in bondage. We're living the good life. We're religious people. We come from Abraham. Don't you know who we are, Jesus? Why are you talking about us being free from slavery, both inward and outward? Because you can free somebody's body but not free their mind. Jesus is talking about being free from your uh, masters and oppression and free from the devil in the heart of sin. Are you listening? Now Jesus replied to them and said, I tell you, everyone who sins is a what to sin? Boom. Everyone. Everyone. Somebody say everybody. Everybody is a slave to sin who sins. There is no way for you to compromise with sin. Sin will keep you a lot longer than you want to stay and it will make you pay a lot more than you want to pay. Sin will deceive you. The devil will come to you with the highlight reel of your party in life, but he'll never show you the times you spent bent over the porcelain god puking your brains out. He'll show you the highlight reel of adultery, but never show you what it's like when your children are asking their mom where dad's at. The devil will show you the highlight reel of cutting them corners on the job, but he won't tell you where Rob Bogoyevich ended up. Hello, somebody. Corruption. The devil loves to make sin look enticing, and he knows the flavor that each one of us would love to have. Just as I've told before, if we went to Baskin-Robbins and wanted ice cream, all of us would pick our own flavor. Some of us would not want the other flavor. Like if you gave me like mint chocolate chip, I'd be like, get that out of here. I don't want no ice cream today. Don't get you giving me that. Like I'll be on a diet right now. I'll be like, oh, Sam. You give me that chocolate chip cookie dough, and I'm like pushing people out of the way. Thank you, Jesus. 
I got my ice cream cone. I'm happy now. But I'm telling you, my kids always have it around there, and sometimes there's nothing left but that. And I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll have an apple. <laughs> I'm being serious. I get picky with my ice cream. And, and I know that's the way it is with us in sin. You know, the devil shows, shows you one thing, and you're like, oh, that's no temptation to me. But he shows you another thing, and you're like, man, I'll do that. I'll do that. And the Bible's teaching us everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. She's bringing up family language here now. But a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. He goes, I understand who your grandpa is. I know where you came from. You are looking for a way to kill me. Yeah, I know where you came from. Yeah, you're still trying to kill me because you have no room for my word. See, on the outside, you look like you're on my team. But really, on the inside, you're not. Verse 38, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And you are doing what you heard from your father. <laughs> this is where sassy Jesus comes out. Some, some people don't want this kind of Jesus. They just want to skip to John 3, 16, go to these other scriptures. I want both Jesus, amen? And I'm this way with my kids too. You could get my kids right now up here and ask them, and I will not have to bribe them with candy or ice cream. And you could ask Hannah, my daughter, because she said this to me, and tears welled up in my eyes when, when she did. I might even just cry telling you right now. But I was sitting with her one day, and we were talking, and um, it was just, you know, a hard day around the house, whatever. And she said, she said, Dad, I always see you happy. You're always smiling. And that just right there just broke my heart because I didn't always used to smile. I didn't always have a reason to smile. And even as a Christian, I didn't know how to give my problems to God. You know, I was angry even as a Christian. And I looked at my wife, and I said, they have never seen me yell in this home. They have never seen me act out of anger. Now, there's been some things behind closed doors that, they, that has gone down that they haven't seen. But uh, praise God, they haven't seen it, and I'm going to get rid of those too. And I'm free in Jesus' name. But I, I just was amazed that she saw that as, as, as who I was, as her daddy. She was like, my dad smiles all the time. He's happy. He loves us, okay? And, and what Jesus is telling us is what it's like to be with the Father. And the Father loves us, and he's happy to be with us, but he also hates sin. You see... My, my, when my daughter was saying that, she wasn't saying that she's never seen me spank her because I have spanked her. But for some reason, when I spank her, she doesn't see it as me being angry at her without love. She would see through that because in her statement, I always see you happy. She must see my discipline even out of love because we do it in such a way. It's, it's, it's not like how my mom did with me taking off literally her chancla, beating me in the car, beating me when I get home, throwing stuff at me. I'm just telling you, that's how I was raised. And my mom had to actually apologize. Like, some of them whoopings you took weren't the right way. <laughs> but you did need them. I apologize with how they came and what they came with. But I don't apologize that you were getting them all the time. And when I'll be honest, because when I first came to Bible college, I was getting in so much trouble arguing all the time. And, and they're from the South, and they're really, really strict. Yes, sir, no, sir, and all this. And, and, and my professor felt really close with my mom because I ended up getting really close to Brother Anthony, uh, my uh, dean of boys. The dean of boys, I got really close to them because I was in his office all the time in trouble. And he felt close enough to say to my mom, did you spank him enough as a kid? Because I really think you could have. 
spanked him some more. And she was, he was serious. He was like, you should have whooped this boy some more. We'll take him outside and whoop him good. You know, that's what he was thinking. And my mom looked just as quick as, you know, just as quick as can be. She looked right at him and said, if beating him would have made him an angel or a saint, he would be one right now because I beat him all the time. I whooped him all the time. It would have happened already. So beating does not equal sainthood because I tried to put it in him that way. But listen, when you discipline the right way as a father, it's still in love. And so this is what Jesus is saying. I've been with my father. I've seen all of his grace. I've seen all of his truth. And I'm telling you, you're not like him. But you are like another father. You do have a family you belong to. And it's not the family I'm a part of. Now watch what they say back. Verse 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. So they're still not getting it. They want to argue with Jesus. He just said, I know that you're Abraham's physical children, but you're in bondage in your heart. But now he's even going to rebuke that. He's like, well, if you were really Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. See, Abraham was a man of faith. Abraham trusted God. In Genesis chapter 18, as we learned last week, Jesus came and met with Abraham on the plains of Mamre. They had a meal together. Abraham was cool with Jesus. Everybody say he was down with Jesus. So he's literally saying to him, hey, guys, I used to hang out with Abraham. I wasn't born on December 25th. I just took on flesh that day. I know Abraham. Me and Abraham hang out. I've had meals with Abraham. You're not doing what Abraham did. As it were, you're looking for a way to kill me. See how Jesus kept going back to that? He's like, I know what you guys are about. You're jealous. You're hating on me. You want to kill me. You don't want to help me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Verse 41. Once again, Jesus brings it right back so they can realize this. You are doing the works of your own father. It's getting real. He's not going to let them get off. And now he goes, we're not illegitimate children. They protested. The only father we have is God himself. We know who we are. We're physical descendants of Abraham, and we're spiritual descendants of God. We know who we are. We keep all these rules. We're meeting in the temple all the time. You've got to understand he is talking to the most religious people of the time. Now Jesus gets it to the point now. Everybody say, break it down, Jesus. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. You ever hear anybody say, I love God, uh, and, and, and he, I, th I think God is great, but I don't know about Jesus, or I don't know about the Bible, I don't know about that. I, I, I kind of just think God is the universe. You ever hear stuff like that? Well, what, what you just found was the missing village idiot. Some village is missing an idiot. Because according to, I'm serious, you just, is, is a village missing an idiot right now? Because we're going to call them up and tell them we found you, okay? Go back home now. Go back, go back and fulfill your role. Because uh, you're a fool. I just, you just, and, and like Mr. T, I pity the fool. I pity the fool, amen? If you love God, you're going to love Jesus because Jesus is the Son of God. If you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in the Son of God, you can't have a relationship with Father God. He says, I have not come here on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? I love how Jesus just calls them dumb right there. Are you guys dumb? I'm being serious. Jesus keeps it real. Jesus called them fools. He called them snakes and vipers and whitewashed tombs in another place. You can put that on your, uh, your, your refrigerator as well, okay? Little, little, little thing here. Y'all, you are snakes and whitewashed tombs. And, 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 and just go and get your food every day and think about that. Because all we ever think about is Jesus saying these soft, cuddly things. 
And I actually even said one time, because I have a plaque in my, in my office that, uh, that somebody gave me because I was preaching out of the book of Proverbs, and it says in the book of Proverbs, whoever hates correction is stupid. It actually says that. And I said, I would like to have a plaque for that on my desk so that whenever somebody's in my office and I'm counseling them and things aren't going right, I'll just kind of like slip it out and just put it in front <laughs> and just start pointing to it. And then they went and made me one. They went and made me one. Steve, go and get it for me. Just because people don't believe me. You got the office keys? Go and get that for me. You don't got the key on you? He'll get it for you. Thank you. I'm not calling you guys stupid because you're receiving correction. You love Jesus, right? But he's trying to correct them, and they're not receiving it. They don't want to listen to it. <laughs> Have you ever had to use us as the youth pastor? <laughs> Look at this, Pastor Joe Irosic. Now, you will just, this will blow your mind. The person who gave this to me started living with a non-Christian, got offended because we told her it was sin to have sex before marriage and left the church. But we need to put that right back here for her to remind her what to do and remind anybody. Y'all, it's like it got real right now. It always gets real at this church. Just be happy I'm not naming names. Amen? Aren't you glad you passed that name? This one. No, no, I'm so sorry. You're there. I just realized you're there. This one. She's awesome. Marcel, don't beat me up. That's your wife. She loves Jesus. That is not the woman. But we ain't point fingers. Proverbs 21, uh, Proverbs 12, 1. Whoever hates discipline loves knowledge. Whoever hates correction is what? Stupid. And as the wise man once said, uh, Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. Right? So we don't want to be that way. He says, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. As parents, have you ever said uh, an answer to the kids about whether or not you're going to Dairy Queen and they don't like that answer? They pretend they don't hear the answer and keep asking the same question over and over again. Bosses, have you ever had that with your employees? Are we getting off Saturday? No, we're coming in Saturday. Uh, can you say that again? I don't think I understand. No, we're coming in Saturday. You see, people want to hear what they want to hear. People will purposely miss everything that has to do with truth and just hear what they want to hear. Jesus is saying, I know what the problem is here. You're not paying attention to what I'm saying. You're hearing it, but you're not listening to it. And he gets really clear right here. You belong. This is sad. I'm going to calm down on having fun with y'all because I want this to be real here. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. And that's the truth, my friends, that those who are not born again yet are following the lies of the devil. That's why Jesus came to die for our sins, to rescue us from the abusive father known as the devil so that we could have the truth, no longer be blind but see, no longer have our ears plugged, blah, 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 I don't hear you, blah, 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 that we could hear the voice of God calling us. He says, yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe, you, believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? I am telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. That's that simple. Where are you at today in your relationship with Jesus because today, if you have not received him, you remain as a child of the devil.
But if you will receive him today, you can become a child of God. And those of us here who are children of God have not gotten to be that way because of any good work we've done. We've been made children of God. The only way we got that right to become children of God is because we received him and believed in him. Can I get an amen? Can I now bring you to the famous passage of the Bible, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 20? Because this is the place where Jesus explains it best. If you're going through the whole book of John, this is where it's laid out. You can get it so clearly here. In John chapter 6 and 8, when he's rebuking the Jews, it's because he had already told them this. And I want to go back to it now because some of you may not have heard it as clearly as he said it here. And that's why you'll see the most famous verses in this same passage, John 3.16. Look at John chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus is meeting with the Pharisee. He's a man named Nicodemus who is a member of the Jewish ruling council. This is no noob to spirituality. This is no rookie. This is the leader. This is a priest. This is a man who's gone to school his whole life to understand the religion. He's the kind of man that Jesus was talking to before. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher that's come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And so he comes a little bit further than a lot of his, his peers. He's like, man, I'm actually believing in some of the stuff you're saying here. I'm, 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 I'm believing this, Jesus. I'm taking this stuff serious. But he he still wasn't convinced. He still wasn't ready yet uh, uh, before then to do it. He needed another conversation. I thank God that God gave him time to answer some of his questions. And I thank God that this conversation is here because I do want to let you know that, that God is patient with seekers. You see, there, there are ornery people in life who don't want to listen, pretend like they know everything, and all they want to do is argue. But you may be here today, and you're a seeker, and you're saying, Pastor, this is all kind of new to me. I wasn't raised like this, or I was raised similar in a Catholic background, but now it doesn't make sense, so I'm trying to put it all together. Who is God? Who is the Trinity? Okay, God is patient with us. Even if you come from another religion and go, you know, there's something about Jesus that stands out to me. He's different than Buddha. He's different than Muhammad. He's different than these, these gods that I've heard of in Hinduism. God is patient with us, and I'm thankful that he does this with Nicodemus. So I want you to hear the love of Jesus here. He, he's not calling Nicodemus right off the bat, you're a child of the devil. You, you know, he, he's giving him the opportunity to really understand so he can make a choice. Because remember, you can't become a Christian based on what your parents say or what even your religion says. You have to do it personally between you and God. So he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God because no one could do these signs that you're doing if God were not with him. Then Jesus replied uh, to him, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. What do we have to do if we want to see the kingdom of God? Be what? Born again. Can anyone see the kingdom of God if they're not born again? Not according to Jesus. Now, Nicodemus asked that question right back. He said, how can someone be born when they are old, right? So Jesus says to him, be born again. And he's thinking, like, how am I going to do this as an old man now? How is this going to happen? And then he even goes further to ask, some of you know where I'm going with this, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. How many know that would be messy, dangerous, and painful? Mom, I'm coming home. This is, this is painful. Mama's like, no, we ain't doing that, son. You grown sick man. What's wrong with you? But I'm reading it because it's in the Bible. That's what Nicodemus literally said. Do you want me to go to the nursing home, go find my mom, and set up a date to go back up in that thing? And, 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 and Jesus is like, first of all, no, I'm not going to say, we don't know what Jesus thought when he's saying what he's saying. But I know what I would think when I would say, I'd be like, Nicodemus, you're crazy. 
You are something else. But look at this, verse 5. Jesus answered, staying on point because he's our Lord and Savior. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of the Spirit. So now he gives them this idea that water and spirit is something spiritual. The water is the Word of God that washes over us and cleanses our mind. And the Spirit is what renews us. And in verse 6, he goes, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And how many believe that? Your mom and dad got together, the human decision, the Father's will, all of those sexual desires. That's how you came out. That's what we read already in John chapter 1. But this does not happen this way. The next life that you live is not one because of your parents and sexual desire. It's born of God, born of the Spirit, born a second time inwardly. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. So he's like, if you're surprised at this, you shouldn't be. And I meet religious people all the time, and I ask them, because that's what our flyers say on the back, have you been born again? And they're like, I don't even know what that, what that means. And I'm like, do you go to church? And they go, I go to St. Viator's. And I'm like, why are you surprised? Why didn't Father Tom tell you this? Father Tom should have told you about being born again and less of the things that they made up about confession. Are you hearing me? See, a lot of us have heard religious things, but not the right things. We need to hear the right things. He had been around God this whole time. He had been around religion this whole time. He had been around the Bible the whole time, but the Bible had not gotten into him. God had not gotten into his heart. And Jesus is saying, it's not out here, it's in here. Then he gives them an example of the Spirit in verse 8. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus said. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said back to him. You're a teacher. How are you not getting this? You don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. Now, you notice he goes into the plural there. We. Why does he start speaking as we? Because he speaks on behalf of the Father and the Spirit, doesn't he? He's the revealed nature. He is the revealed person of God. All the fullness of God dwelled in, him, dwelled in him in a bodily form, according to Colossians. He says, we speak of what we know. So the Spirit has been speaking to you. My Father has been speaking to you through the Word. And we testify of what we've seen, but you still do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Who wrote the book of John? John, y'all up today? Who wrote the book of John? Who wrote the book of Revelation? John. See, God did show his people heavenly things, didn't he? He showed them the book of Revelation. You now see the six-winged creatures in heaven, the four horsemen. You see a lot of scary things too, right? But you see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You see all that. He did show his people those things. But he's talking to this man going, how can I even bring you to the next level when you don't understand the first part of this thing is to get born again? Now listen to what he says. No one has ever gone into heaven. No one has gone except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. At this time, all of the people who died were in a place called Abraham's bosom. It was known as paradise. It was a middle place before they could go into heaven because no one had yet been born again. Jesus had to come and die on the cross so that the Old Testament saints could receive that new spirit and enter into the kingdom of God. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 says he has led these people with him into heaven. And that's why it says he who descended is also he that ascended and the train that he brought with him to the father so no one had yet been in that place yet they were in a place of waiting and the son of man was the only one to come from there because he is before the earth he is there at the creation of the earth he is our god and creator now just as moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes everybody say believes may have eternal life here's the story of moses there was a time they started rebelling against moses they weren't listening god said i'm done with them 
and he sent a curse to kill them through disease and through these things that were happening and the snakes and all of these bad things. And then Moses pleaded for mercy, and then God said, look, just take up one of the snakes, lift it up on a stick, and I will see that as a sign of mercy. And whoever looks at that and says, I'm sorry for the dumb things that I've done, they will be saved from this plague. And that's what Jesus is saying. Now he will be lifted up. And if anyone looks to him in the cross and says, I'm sorry for the sinful things I've done. I repent. I turn from these wicked things. They will be saved. You can read about that story of Moses in the Old Testament. And then now here comes that famous verse. For God, let's read it together, John 3, 16, 1, 2, 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, there you have it right there told you again. If you don't have eternal life, you shall perish. You're already destined for hell. Now look, at it's even clarified in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Already you're condemned. That's why Jesus didn't come and go, hey, y'all don't believe in me? Here's hell fire. You're burning up now. No, he came to save the world. He came to say, believe in me. Trust me. Look at the signs that I'm doing. Look at the love that I'm showing the sinner. He came to try all the effort of heaven into convincing us to come to him. And when we didn't, before he was crucified, he wept over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wish as a mother hen to gather you under my wings, but you wouldn't let me. He was grieved. He did everything he could. He reasoned with us. He did miracles for us. He, he died for us, obviously, the greatest thing, the sacrifice. And so there is no shortage on the arm of God reaching down to heaven. It's just whether or not you receive his arm of salvation, whether you open your heart. There, there is no lack on God's side. Anyone that goes to hell, once again, is of their choice. They get exactly what they want in the end, a life without Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Whoever today does not come to the light, it's because they love their evil. Does everybody get that? That's why I didn't come into the light for many years as a rebellious teenager. I don't want Jesus because I want my evil. I don't want to come into his light because it's going to expose everything that I got going on. How many know what I'm talking about when you wake up in the morning, turn on that light, look at your face in the bathroom mirror? It can be scary sometimes. And you're just like, shut that off. I'm not dealing with zits and acne and dry skin right now and boogies and crustiness. Let's just shut off the light, get some water and go back to bed and I'll do this later. That may just be me, but I'm telling you, I do that. Sometimes I feel like taking a picture on Monday morning to show you what my hair looks like because it is all wacky and wild. I'm like, boom, pastor on Monday morning, here I am, you know. And that's what, that's what life is like. And you don't want the light. When you're in a dark place in the movie theater, you don't want nobody turning on that light in front of you. And when people are in sin and they love their sin, they don't want the light of Jesus. They want to do what they're doing. They want to be left alone. Don't you judge me. You know, I'm a good person. I'm not so bad. And then you tell them, no, if you're not born again, you're a child of the devil. Now they get even more angry with you. How are you telling me that? God loves me. I'm his, I'm his child. I'm not a child of the devil. I don't worship Satan. And yet then you tell them, you haven't believed and been born again. By default, you're going to perish. By default, you're going to be condemned. And at that point, 
if they reject you, and they reject our message all the time as Christians, they, they, they do it, and we've done it, they do it because of this verdict. Light came into the world, and light can come through us in our message. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now keep reading and closing. Vinny, would you come, please? Everyone who does evil hates the light. Do you see that? Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. They're so ashamed of it. You know, I have friends I used to do drugs with that I know I cannot put on their post my testimony because their kids are old enough now to read Facebook and their family and all of that will see that because they've never been honest with who they are. It's like, bro, bro, come on, boy, you know we used to do drugs together. You know we used to do this, but you're still trying to pretend you never did. You're faking I know who you are, but see, they don't want to do that because they're afraid. They're ashamed. They're embarrassed. How is it you know when you've been forgiven, when you're no longer embarrassed or ashamed? Because I'm forgiven. I'm not proud of it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying my shame was taken on the cross. My guilt was taken on the cross. Your embarrassment. I mean, how many of you here today, let's just be honest, if we were to have reality cameras following you around all those dirty times, those sinful times for mine, and we put it up here on the screen, how many of you would just hang your head down, walk out the room and go, I'm ashamed of this? We would all feel that way. But you know what would happen if you tried to play mine or a Christian's? It would just turn blood red. Because that's all the Father sees is the blood of Jesus shed for me on Calvary. And that's all I want to see today is the blood of Jesus. Jesus took my judgment. Jesus took my pain, my guilt, my shame. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Do you want to live in darkness and remain as a child of the devil, making excuses and arguing with Jesus? Or do you want to come to the light, be forgiven, be changed, and live as a child of God? Here it is simply in closing. Be born again as a child of God by believing and receiving Jesus as God the Son in the flesh who died for your sins. Can I get an amen? Can you stand to your feet with me and let's just bless the Lord today for his word? Can we just give it up for Jesus? Amen. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Altar workers and band, would you come? Those who are already Christians, would you raise up your hands and thank the Lord today for your salvation? Those who have not yet become Christians, maybe uh, this is your, uh, you know, real first time to hear this kind of a message. Maybe it started to sink in a little bit with Jared, but it's connecting now. You can just raise up your hands and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and wash me right now. So there's two kinds of people, children of God rejoicing in their salvation or children of God becoming saved. I'm going to assume there's no rebellious child of the devil right now. Children of God rejoicing in their salvation or children of devil repenting. What do you want to be? Come on, right now, let's just raise up our hands and surrender to Jesus. Surrender. I receive. I believe. Those of you who know Jesus, how is salvation going for you? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Thank him. Thank him right now. Do you know that you're forgiven? Thank him. Before you ask for another thing, thank him for what he's given you already. If you're here today and you're a child of the devil, repent, repent, repent. Don't be rebellious. Don't just sit with your arms crossed. Don't ignore today the call of repentance. Accept Jesus into your life. Believe. Believe he died for you. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. I thank you. You saved me on November 5th, 1995. 21 years have gone by and you've become, you've become my best friend. 
There's nobody like you in all the world. I wouldn't trade you for anything, Jesus. Thank you for every promise that you kept. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. Thank you for every hard time that I faced. You were with me, never left me, nor forsake me. Come on, come on. A few more moments. Thank him. Thank him or receive him right now. Those are really your only two options. If you want to be rebellious and go to hell, that's on you today, friends. But I'm pleading, I'm pleading today with you that you'll receive him. And those who have received him, be grateful for the right to become children of God. If you're now struggling and need help, ask as a children of God for the help you need today. He hears the cries of, our, uh, of the children. He hears the cries of our heart. Now that we've thanked him, come on, lift up some needs to the Lord. Those who are children of God, what needs do you have? Come to him. Abba, Father, in Aramaic means Daddy, Father. Daddy, Father, I come in the name of Jesus, in the name of my Lord and Savior. I ask you to bless my family. I ask you to increase us, God. Protect us, heal us, provide for us. A few more moments. A few more moments. Jesus is in this place. Lives are changed in this place. Jesus. We're going to close out here in just a few bit, uh, just a little bit, but I want you guys to pray. Pray with me today. God is in this place. Come on, talk to the Lord today. Talk to Jesus today. It's your turn. It's your turn today. Gentlemen, put up those words for us. Pray just a few more moments. Don't leave out of here the same way that you came. We'll end on a worship note today, but come on, pray before you worship. Communicate your heart in your own words. Surrender. Jesus! Come on, who wants to cry out to God today? Let's worship! Let's surrender! Jesus! Come on! Your life for my life! Declare it today, your life! How many believe it today? Say your life for my life. Come on, sing it again. Surrender just a few more times. Say, surrender. Like me, one more time, surrender. Come on, just the drums and the bass. Surrender.
your life for my life. Jesus is in this place today. Jesus. 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 We're going to close out with these altars open. You can ask one of these brothers or sisters to pray with you. That's why they're up here. But I wanted to make sure you did it personally first before you ever involved a mediator between your relationship with God. Matter of fact, you don't need one. But before you ever had a prayer partner, I wanted you to know you could pray. And I wish I could preach a whole nother message just on what it's like to be a child of God. Intimacy with the Father. Protection from the enemy. The power of God to overcome obstacles. The joy of the Lord down in your soul. Peace that passes all understanding. Woo! Pleasures forevermore. But you got to go back and study your word now and see the privileges and the right of a children of a child of God. Study this week. Go into that book of John. Start with chapter 2 and look at Jesus and what he does and follow him throughout that whole book and see what he does in his children's lives. Then read the book of Revelation. I double-dog dare you to see it. This time, not from the perspective of those on the earth getting punished, but those in heaven riding with the Lord. Those in heaven down with him. Amen? It ain't so scary when you know you're on his side. Amen? We're going to close out in prayer. If you need any type of need to be met, let us pray for you, child of God. And if you have any other questions and you're still seeking, they will help you understand that message more. Desi, she's helping us sing this awesome song that we wrote the other day at her house. Desi's known ups and downs in life, but she's known that God has never changed. Right, sister? Would you pray? But before you do, before you bless God's people and sing over us, hey. Just tell us a little bit of your testimony and how God has never given up on you. Just a smidgen of him. Okay. I was addicted to cocaine. Uh, dealt with lust. Um, I was a game banger. I used to steal, rob people, break into people's houses. Um, I was so lost, so hurt. I never gave love to my daughter who at the time I was 15 I had and I did not know how to love her because I I didn't receive it myself and when I came to this church I experienced love like I never thought was possible and God just opened up my eyes through the people through the pastor through his love and immediately I, I knew that there was a God I knew that there was love that that the world had blinded me from like the only one that can give you that love, that can break the chains, that can free you is God. Surrender to him. Just come to the altar and give him your all because he can do it. He can free you. You're never too late. You're never too far. Just give him your heart. He'll take it all. Everything, everything, everything. Please pray for us. God, you are so worthy and glory. We love you, Jesus. We love you. We love your love. Thank you so much for your grace, your love, God. We pray, Lord, that 
as we leave on this day, God, that, that we would take you with us, God, that we would never forget everything that you have done for us, God, where you have pulled us from, where you are going to pull us from, God, that we would have complete faith and trust in you for the future, for things to come, God. We pray, Lord, we love you, Jesus, and we just pray that you have your way in our lives, oh God. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Woo! God bless you. Have a wonderful week. You are dismissed. Or you can stay back and pray and join the after party. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Have a great week. Oh, still so sweet. Surrender. For my Those of you who are hanging out in here, we're going to sing another song, but I want you just as we're preparing to sing it, to think about that exchange, our life for his life, believing and receiving. I just I think about like how awesome God is, that there's nothing that forces me to do this, but yet I'm kept here by his love. I'm kept here by his grace, his mercy, his truth. And so it's like, yeah, I could cheat on my wife if I wanted to. I could destroy our home and break it apart, but I don't want to. It's my choice. I'm there by choice. And it's like that, that surrender of having another kind of life is so beautiful to me as a father. It's like I surrender my desire to go have babies with another woman. I surrender the desire to want to go uh, live at another house. I surrender those desires because... Jesus is worth it. You know, my family is worth it. 
And, and when you look at it in a spiritual sense, it's like, I surrender my desire to want to go sin. I, I willingly give that up for Jesus. I surrender the desire to want to do the things that are against his will. I, I willingly trade my life for his life. And it's almost like when you think of that trade, it's so unfair to his, to his side, right? Imagine like you're sitting down with a little kid. Just imagine this, a little kid. And he's got a little toy truck or a little toy car. And you come up to him and you go, you want to make a trade? My car for your car. And imagine he says to you, he goes, well, what car do you have? And you just show him the keys. And you go, just trust me. Here are the keys. My car for your car. And we're thinking like, oh, he's going to trick us. But see, our God doesn't play tricks. He's that good, right? He's even better than we could ever imagine. Now imagine like that child. We go, okay, I'll make that trade. Where does this key fit into? We go outside. We see it's like the awesomest car ever, a Lamborghini, a truck, whatever, right? And God's like, I got you like that. It's the same thing. Like God's coming to you going, here's my word. Let's make a trade. Trust me. Let's make a trade. And you're looking at your little life as that little toy car, and you're thinking you're going to lose so much in the deal. Like, oh, God, I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose my friends. I'm going to lose popularity. I'm going to lose my job or whatever. And God says, man, you don't have any idea what I got. If you only knew, if you only knew the trade always works in your favor because of my glory. I'm a good father. I trade well. My life for your life. Those of you in the after party, come on, we're going to sing this next song. Gentlemen, you can start the uh, band, you can sing it. But as they do, just put your hand over your heart and say, I accept the trade. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Jesus has ravished my heart with you forever. With you forever. you love is ravished. Your love has ravished my heart and taken me over. Taking me over. It's taken me over. And all I want is to be with you forever. With you forever.
So pull me a little closer. 